So we really have to think with our older person, how can we care for them throughout the day without always being there and doing everything for them? They they are us. At the end of the day, we are them. We will be them. So keeping their independence, making sure I want to have my independence when I'm older, that's for sure. And making sure that we're getting the nutrient in them, the things to break down the food and keep the memory going and the body functioning as best we can for them. Hello and welcome. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to your needs, the needs of the practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business and something clinical each week, you'll get the variety you need and enjoy to stay motivated in practice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. How the devil are you? So let me talk to you about my holiday. Yeah, you say, okay, you're going on holiday and you want to talk to us. We're working. Well, it's not really a holiday. I'm at my mum's. In New Zealand. Now, my mum is 92 and she lives in a community village. Now, because she's in the countryside, her village is a little bit different to a normal village in the city. Now, I used to deliver meals on wheels, so I do know about villages within cities in Australia. And they're, I assume, they're the same within big cities in New Zealand as well and in the UK. But a community village, an elder village here, in the countryside means that she has a normal size flat with enough space to swing a cat, have her six-seater dining room table, and have a spare bedroom as well. But while I was with her, we went to visit her friends in the Aldercare village, in the not just in the village, but in the rest home. And it made me think about the fact that over the years, on and off, I have had frail elderly clients as well. I've also had frail elderly physical, frail elderly mental clients, frail elderly. The family have asked me to intervene and support them. And it made me think that we really need to have a podcast about this, don't we? We really need to think about the things that our older people are worried about. Now, my mother's 92, so we're talking proper frail elderly here. We're talking about the queen and other people in that age group. So my father was young when he died. He was 76. He died of emphysema. So you wouldn't think of him as being frail elderly. He was frail and he was elderly. But even then with emphysema, you wouldn't have thought of him as frail elderly. Whereas my mother, you can see, is small, petite, very frail, puff of wind would blow her away. But meeting the other people again and going into, I've not been into a nursing home in a long time, a couple of years, at least, well, certainly before COVID, isn't it? So to get into the nursing home, I had to do a COVID test. And of course, I had to wear a mask and all of those things to visit her friends. But there's some of the things my mother complains about and her friend was complaining about in the conversation that she had with her and then with another lady on another occasion. So one of those complaints was the blood pressure cuff. So with blood pressure, now we need to take the blood pressure of our elderly clients, obviously. This is, yes, a no-brainer unless they've had one done recently. Now as an ex-nurse, I have an understanding of the blood pressure cuff that you may or may not have. Now with an electronic machine, so it does it itself, you press start and it puffs it up and it goes down. Because of the way it reads and listens, it must go at least 30 over the last time it 
hears, feels, whatever it does, that last pulse, which means it goes very, very tight around the arm of the frail elderly. Now, when you do it yourself with the mercury blood pressure monitor, when you pump it up yourself and you're listening to the arm, you don't go as high. It's not as hard on the person's arm. It's not as painful for them. Because remember, when we're cutting off the blood supply to get the pressures, that's, you know, it's uncomfortable. I'm assuming you're not frail elderly, so you'll know it's uncomfortable. But when you're very elderly or when you're very sick, so someone who is in a lot of pain because of whatever is wrong with them, or they're just generally super unwell, maybe they have a fatigue syndrome that is causing them pain and discomfort as well, then really we need to be thinking about using manual blood pressure, not using the electronic devices that pump it up and then go even higher because of causing pain. The other thing we need to think about, ankles, lower legs. I mean, it's the same thing, isn't it? When we take a blood pressure, it's all about circulation and circulation reduces as we get older. I mean, our circulation reduces with cold and older people feel the cold more easily. So let's think about those legs, those extremities. It's a good idea for them to be able to put their feet up when they can. Their lymphatic drainage is fantastic, lymphatic massage. But we have to check their ankles. We have to check their legs because of compression and the possibility of the breakdown of the skin and legs and the possibility of ulceration. Now, an ulcered leg is extremely painful. And in an unwell person, no matter how old they are, an ulcer is extremely hard to repair. So I'm not going to talk about how we repair an ulcer. What all I want to say is we need to send warmth to that area. So, you know, the ginger teas, the warming teas, the circulation, getting them to circulate and move to help with the blood supply into that area to repair the area. But when we're talking frail elderly or someone in a nursing home, like the people we visited with my mother, they're not moving. They're sitting in a chair. Some are. Some are definitely moving. Some are on the move all the time because you see the difference between those that are physically impaired and those that are mentally impaired. And so they're on the move, but we have to check their skin. Even if they're on the move, they might be knocking into furniture. So we need to think about these things when we think about prescribing and we think about the care. What can their carers do for them? Maybe it's putting moisturizer on their legs. That simple lymphatic massage as they put the moisturizer on, even though it's unintentional lymphatic massage, we can explain about putting the moisturizer on and moving the hands up the leg. Put the hands at the bottom of the leg moisturize moving up the legs that is going to help the circulation and the return within the body now while we're talking about skin let's talk about skin turgor so skin turgor your older person is losing weight they're not digesting their protein properly their kidneys aren't functioning as well as they should and nor is their liver so if they're not drinking enough fluid which is really common because of urinary incontinence because of kidney issues they're kidneys aren't working as well as they should. When we think about skin turgor, we need to look and we need to squeeze that skin and see how quickly does it return. Do we need to encourage this person to drink more water and how can we do that? Now a magnesium drink is nice and sweet. We have to be careful about how much potassium or sodium is in the magnesium drink that you're giving an older person but it's a great way of adding additional fluid into the diet 
because it's a tasty drink and it's doing what we need. A protein drink maybe for morning tea is a great way of adding more protein into the diet as well as if we can make it into say a hot chocolate makes it just their morning tea for them. So rather than just tea and biscuits they will get a really nice chocolate powder. Some of the bigger, well definitely one of the bigger companies makes a really nice protein powder for the elderly. So here we are now, I've moved from the skin to a drink to morning tea. Now when we think about this as well we need to think about swallowing. Can they swallow? What is the easiest way for them to swallow? Now unfortunately as you know naturopathically and nutritionally every tablet we have under the sun is huge. We even manage to have huge capsules don't we? We don't do anything small and it actually becomes quite difficult to swallow as we get older. We don't have as much enzymes in our body because, of course, we reduce our production of hydrochloric acid and enzymes as we get older. So often our client will be on a PPI or chugging that Gaviscon. Now, I'm a one for, yes, if you need to have a glug of Gaviscon or one of these products that just ablates it for a moment, fine. Randomly having one of those, no biggie. But when we move into the PPI territory, we're really starting to cause problems. So what I've seen as a practitioner over the years is a blood pressure tablet doesn't do anything except what it says on the can. It just reduces their blood pressure, nothing else. It doesn't cause onward problems. Our PPIs, of course, we know that they, with the research, that they can cause, well, they don't cause, but SIBO can back end on the PPI. They don't digest their food. We have energy issues. We have all sorts of other issues. Statins have all sorts of muscle issues, cardiac issues. There's all sorts of problems. Well, I can't remember that. This wasn't in my notes for this conversation. Um, I think, so I'm guessing, but I think it's like 60% of people who are put on statins don't stay on them because of the side effects. It's something like after a certain, after a few weeks. So it might be after six weeks they're not on, on them. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I will try and find that in the show notes. If I don't, sorry, but you can Google it. Um, but we have to really think about what medications cause knock-on effects and other problems and what medications don't and we can breathe a sigh of relief. So what I've noticed is a blood pressure medication doesn't cause other problems. Statins and PPIs do. And so getting them off those with the help of their GP is brilliant for their health and their long-term health and everything that goes on for them. So when we're thinking about that indigestion, we've really got to think about enzymes and do they need hydrochloric acid because we're not producing those. So in a way, the taking these PPIs, taking these ablators, these things that are going to stop the burping, it's because things are dysfunctional within the gut. We need to add those things. And we've got lots, we've actually got lots and lots and lots of enzymes and acids we can use. Every company makes at least a dozen. <laughs> maybe half a dozen, maybe three or four, but they all make them. And so whichever your favorite company is, there's enzymes in there and there's products that we can use to support our clients. Now, when we think about the medications that we're on or that they are on, not only can the medications affect the memory, but there can be just be problems with the memory and that's where they were going with their life anyway. That is part of their genetic makeup to have dementia, to have memory loss, to the smarter they are, the more likely they are to have coping mechanisms around that. And I don't mean smarter as in Mensa IQ. I mean smarter as in common sense. 
smarter, that they will be able to have systems in place for themselves to be able to remember things. So my mother writes everything down. She has a diary. Lots and lots of things are in the diary because her memory is beginning to go a bit. So there's lots of diary notations. We write everything in the diary. There are notes on the fridge and there are notes around the house so that everything gets done. So we do have to think, is it the memory? Is it physical? And it might be physical and mental that is happening. And what are we going to do to support this person with the low lowest possible supplementary input we can possibly give. So it might just be that you can get away with enzymes for their food and we're done and dusted because they'll absorb enough of everything from their food to keep active the memory going and everything else. Now when we think about these supplements we do have to think about the dosage because as I mentioned before their liver and kidneys aren't working as well. Their internal organs, just their gut isn't working as well. Nothing works as well. And I will be there soon. So we all have to think about the fact that as we grow older, our body doesn't work as well. It's as simple as that. And some people's bodies break down in different ways to others and in different order to other people's. So when we think about our dosing of products, we do need to remember that for a frail elderly person, we are looking at pediatric dosing. Now, oh no, you say, how am I going to work that out? That doesn't work when I look at the mathematics and the training that I had for pediatric dosing. How am I going to work that out? Go low dose. It's as simple as that. If it says on the bottle there's a maximum dose, you're looking at the minimum dose. If it says on the bottle four to eight tablets a day, you're looking at two to four. You're looking at the lowest dose once you've worked it out for your client because they're not going to need a large dose to gain the same as your 40-year-old really active, overweight, not eating properly person is going to need. Your 70 plus is going to be looking at pediatric dosing and also looking at how they're taken. So when we think about pediatric dosing, we're thinking of liquids and chewables and that is the same for our older person. Now that's not your older person quite capable of swallowing a tablet. It's not about that, but they might be on a lot of tablets already. So we have to think about how can we change it up? How can we make it different? We're to give them a protein powder, a chocolate drink. I've actually already mentioned Gaviscon, so there's no point ignoring the fact that Bioconcepts make a chocolate drink for the elderly. Let's just put it out there. That my mother really enjoys, and she has that as her morning tea. They actually have a number of powders for the elderly, and that's a great way of getting fluid into our clients because we have to think, how can we get that fluid in for their kidneys? Good fluid that isn't going to affect their kidneys. How are we going to get not just a cup of tea and biscuit in? So when we think about what we're going to give them, liquid herbs are great, especially now we've got so many that are alcohol-free. So both Optimal RX and PPC. I'm really liking my PPC. I have to say, Optimal RX and PPC both do Glycetrax. Well worth looking into for your older clients so that they don't have the addition of the alcohol because even a small amount of alcohol in the elderly can have a greater effect than the same amount of alcohol on a younger person. So we're fluid. So fluid, of course, moves us on to incontinence. Now, incontinence is a real problem of the older person. 
male and female not it's not just one group it is definitely both groups so many of them don't want to drink a lot of fluid so the fluid we put in has to be of the highest quality maybe reducing the cup of tea in favor of a drink that has a memory herbal in it or the protein powder so that the fluids that we get into them are of the highest possible quality now with our older person it's like the younger the child with our older person they're not tasting and smelling properly they haven't got the the um, enzymes that they really need so what we really need to think about is meals more often so your toddler is eating every few hours and your older person needs to have a snack every few hours so we need to make sure that that snack is of the highest quality so if we start the day with a, a good breakfast and most people no matter what age will eat a really good breakfast because they fasted overnight it's a simple as that they have a really good breakfast then after that good breakfast a morning tea now that morning tea could be I'm not going to recommend necessarily a smoothie because it can be a bit cold for the older person but think smoothie soup hot chocolate something you can get some protein and other nutrients into in cup size we're talking 200 250 mils of fluid here that's of a really high standard and of really good quality then we've got lunch whatever it is they normally have for lunch and then we're with protein so it might be a sandwich but making sure an egg sandwich making sure that there are all of our nutrients in there okay then afternoon tea again making sure that we've got something that's really valuable for them and a little plate of nuts and seeds maybe some dried fruit obviously you know your organic dried fruits without all of the nasty sulfates and everything on them so maybe an afternoon snack like that some fruit again and then we're moving into dinner now the dinner can often your person's getting tired like your toddler and so swallowing can become more difficult chewing can become more difficult lunch if we can do it morning tea lunch afternoon tea if we can really get in some really good nutrient protein vegetables then it means that dinner time can be whatever it is they can deal with it might then be the time for the soup it might then be the time for the easier to digest food because as we all know as you get later in the evening you're not producing as many enzymes or you might have some you're exhausted a little bit of gut dysfunction so you've got more burping more bloating so we really need to think about that dinner as being an easier meal to digest then after dinner if you can slip in a supper good on you so if you didn't get that hot chocolate in the morning or you got a half dose in the morning it might be that you can get a protein drink or a hot chocolate style drink in before bed something you know with some something warming something that's going to aid with sleep and be calming lots of nutritionists i'm sure are listening to see oh you know a bit of this and a bit of that yeah that's the one for the nighttime drink so we really have to think with our older person how can we care for them throughout the day without always being there and doing everything for them they they are us at the end of the day we are them we will be them so keeping their independence making sure I want to have my independence when I'm older that's for sure and um, but making sure that we're getting the nutrient in them the things to break down the food and keep the memory going and the body functioning as best we can for them so 
that was my thought that we needed to talk about that, have a bit more of a chat as I'm post-menopausal now. I like to tell everyone I'm 30. If you've made it to this end of the podcast, then hopefully, you know, I am actually only 30 living in the body of a 54-year-old. Maybe I'm even younger living in this body. So we really have to think about where we're going into the future, how we take our bodies there, but how we look after our clients who come to see us that are there already. If you're creating a program, for example, then you might want to put in that program about these small meals for the older relatives, because lots of people my age have older parents they need to care for and how do they do that whilst they're working whilst they're running their lives and doing all the things they have to do so now if you've made it all the way to the end if i would love you to give me a review it does really make a difference and i'd really like you to share my podcast have you have shared my podcast or the little bite-sized piece that comes up on your story or anywhere in your social media because I'd really appreciate it and if you tag me then I will share your site as well on my feed because I love doing that. Now I'm going to leave you there. I hope you have an absolutely brilliant rest of day and if you want to get in contact you know I'm Geraldine at mentoringwithgeraldine.biz and I would love to be in contact with you. I'll chat to you soon I hope. See ya! Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you. Here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.